Welcome to Giving Connected, presented by Paisa Giving. We're happy you're able to join us today. Giving Connected was created to bring awareness to great nonprofits around the country. Hey everybody, today we're going to be interviewing the Development Director for Four Paws for Ability, Kelly Cam. Hey Kelly, how's it going? Wonderful, how are you? We're doing great. We really thank you for being on. Uh, you know, Four Paws for Ability is a really awesome nonprofit um, that does such great work with, you know, service dogs and, and getting to the right people. So, you know, before we jump into the actual nonprofit, let's talk a little bit about you, Kelly. Um, you know, how did you get started? Where'd you grow up and, and kind of what'd you go to school for? Sure. So I grew up in the Cincinnati, Ohio area, and I currently live across the river in Northern Kentucky. Um, I went to school actually as an adult night student, so a little non-traditional, but I went um, and received my associates, then my bachelor's, and then my master's, and all in business administration, and that's where I, you know, really spent most of my time. And uh, then I actually joined Four Paws about 11 years ago. Um, I had actually um, my final master's project was uh, to find a nonprofit or a for-profit, meet with them, figure out their biggest business problem and write a business plan. So, uh, you know, because I was already in the for-profit world, I chose a nonprofit, found Four Pauls, you know, doing a quick Google search and met with the founder executive director and um, basically never left. You know, after the project was over, I felt like I could really implement it. It was a cause marketing plan. And I then joined the board of trustees, eventually became president of the board, and then went on staff. So um, it's been a really great experience. I, I didn't really ever think it would turn into that. Um, you know, I just thought it was a an exercise in academia, but um, turns out it, it and morphed into my life's work, really. Yeah, and, and what about like that experience? What about nonprofit work really intrigues you? What what kind of gets you excited about doing it? So every day I feel like I'm really making a difference in the world. You know, when I worked in the for-profit sector, I worked in a lot of consumer goods. And, you know, I, I did a lot of product development and marketing and um public relations. And, you know, I enjoyed that work, but all I was doing was trying to market products, you know, for people to buy and, and maybe products that people didn't really necessarily need. And so now that I'm doing the work at Four Paws, I'm saving lives, you know, indirectly. I'm, I'm not a medical person, so I'm not, you know, saving lives, um, you know, um, tangibly, but because I'm helping children and veterans and adults get life-saving and life-changing service dogs, I feel that I'm able to save lives in that way. And it's just very meaningful. I wake up every day feeling excited and that I'm doing really valuable work. And at the end of my career, I can be really proud of having affected so many lives in that way. So it's pretty cool, like uh, how you're saying, you know, you went from, it was because of school that you actually got involved with uh, Four Paws for Ability, and that's kind of what like thrust you into the nonprofit world and that area of work. But um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Four Paws for Ability and, uh, you know, what is the history, how it was started, um, kind of what their mission and main focus is? Absolutely. 
So Fort Paul started in 1998 and has placed over 1,500 service dogs, primarily for children. That seems to be a gap in the industry. Um, a lot of organizations that help um, people get service dogs, they really have um, limitations on the age, um, where they might live, and the types of disabilities that they serve. And for Paws, we just throw all that out of the out. We just say, hey, our role as a you know public nonprofit is to serve as many people in the public um, as you know within our abilities. So. That's why we have no minimum age requirement. We serve children from all over the globe. And we have um, a very wide range of disabilities that we serve. And we're always looking at what's going on in the disability community to see if there's other ways. So for example, a couple of years ago, we added Alzheimer's assistance dog for um, people that have Alzheimer's or dementia. And that was just because of the huge influx of what we were seeing going on and, and people even approaching us and saying, hey, um, you know, do you think a dog could help um, my, my wife, my husband? And we were able to help um, in that way, you know, whether it be just a dog that helps with behavior disruption. There's something called sundowners that sometimes happen with patients um, that have Alzheimer's or dementia. So when the sun goes down, they get very agitated. So being able to put a dog, you know, near that person, having that person groom the dog or pet the dog um, can really distract them from what's happening in their, in their brain and their body that they don't understand. Um, the other thing, um, if that um, Alzheimer's patient should take off, which a lot of, you know, they'll say, I'm going to take a walk and then they forget how to get home. Uh, the dog can be trained to do search and rescue and find that person. Um, and so it's, it's really life-saving and, and the dogs are just miracles. And we're just really blessed to be able to um, train them to help so many different people. Yeah. And I think it's important as, as you've discussed uh, kind of the life-saving aspect of it. Um, and also the, you know, that it can improve the quality of life right, for a lot of individuals who go under so many different uh, issues. Um, kind of taking it, like, from the bare bones, I know we often hear the term service dog, right, and and I think it's a, we know, what, of course, what it is, but can you explain, you know, how a dog becomes a, a service dog, you know, what are the requirements, uh, you know, how long does it take for that process for a dog to become a service dog? Absolutely. So our dogs are born at Fort Paws, and as soon as their eyes are open, they go into what we call puppy enrichment, and then they go into basic obedience, crate training, potty training, socialization, and then at about a year to a year and a half, they're evaluated to see if they're ready to move on to advanced training where they work with our team of trainers and um, learn advanced skills. And all along their journey, um, anyone that's handling them keeps records, you know, report of how they're doing, what they enjoy doing, what they might have issues with, what they, if are they fearful of anything. But basically, we want to know where their skills are, similar to a child. You know, um, as you're raising a child, um, you're always interested in what they're going to excel at. You know, are they good at math? Are they good at science? Are they good at 
um, grammar? Are they good in music? And, you know, once then they're ready to choose a career or college or some kind of a skills path, you then encourage them, hey, you've always expressed an interest in music. Why don't you go down that path? And then as parents, you support that and help them any way that you can. And same with our dogs. You know, we want them to tell us what they enjoy doing. So not, we're not going to force one of our dogs who doesn't like to retrieve dropped items to do that. Um, if that dog prefers to do sniffing, you know, lots of smell and scent work then that's the skill that we're going to hone when they're in advanced training. And then we have a large percentage of our dogs that decide they just want to be family pets. And I happen to have one of those in my home and she's a wonderful pet dog, very, you know, uh, obedience. Um, and so, you know, every dog has a journey, just like every child has a journey. And so uh, we all have our skills and strengths and weaknesses and, and that's really what we pay attention to along the way of, a, you know, a dog being raised and going through all those different training stages. Yeah. And, and, and if you check out their, their website, right, fourpawsforability.org, um, they have, when you, when you see like the, the, the different areas that the service dog can, can attain to, you know, Alzheimer's or autism or, or, you know, veterans assistance, there's a lot of different types um, that you can see and kind of click into. Um, but, you know, speaking, so we, we see the, this, the service dog aspect, who would qualify? I know you talked a little bit about Alzheimer's is one that we talked about. Who else would qualify to get a service dog? Yes, good question. So really anybody with a disability as defined by the Americans with Disabilities Act. And so it's very broad. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, on our website, we have all the different types of um dogs that we train. So autism, um, seizure assistance, um, type one diabetic alert, um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder slash drug exposed assistance dog, hearing ear, mobility, Alzheimer's veterans, which includes, you know, uh, PTSD, traumatic brain injury. Um, if they have a hearing impairment or diabetes, um, so we really are always looking at the disability community and determining how our dogs can help. And so within that too, um, you know, children that have Down syndrome have gotten dogs from us. We, we don't call it necessarily a Down syndrome assistance dog, but, you know, kind of falls under, you know, multi-purpose. Um, so really anyone with a documented disability as defined by the ADA, what we do require is a doctor's prescription that says, yes, this person definitely has a documented disability. And, you know, we believe that the, a service dog could be helpful in changing their life, saving their life. So um, as far as actually, you know, getting a dog and um, applying for it, what does that process look like? If somebody feels that they have a need for one, or if there's somebody who has a need for one, um, how do they go about applying for a service dog through your organization? On our website, which is um, the number four, pause for forability.org, um, there are applications out there. So there is a an adult application, a child application, a veteran's application. Um, they do need that doctor's prescription. They would need two letters from people outside of their family indicating that, yes, the family can financially, emotionally, um, you know, uh, physically handle a dog. 
And then um, it's just an application that just goes through all sorts of information. Um, they then turn that in. They get an interview with our associate director. Um, if they're in our area, in the Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana area, they're welcome to come and do that interview on site. Otherwise, on the good old phone or Zoom. And um, then they get approved. And then they, um, our children and our adults actually will complete um, what's called a fee-for-service requirement at 17000 which sounds like a lot. But it actually costs four paws between forty and sixty thousand for each dog. So we do ask them to participate in order for them to get their dog a little sooner. Um, with our veterans, we actually um, find some private funding um, or government funding um, to cover their costs because they have already paid the price to keep us free. Um, but basically, that's one of the things that I do is I help our families through their fundraising journey. Um, many families have to fundraise very few, I'd say maybe 5% have the funds already ready. They can just write a check and, and be put, put into a class, but many of the families need the assistance. Some have never fundraised before. And so that's where I can help them along their journey. And it, it's amazing. People can be so generous. I mean, if we get out, um, some media attention in their community, um, set up an online platform page through either our Facebook page or we use another platform. Um, some, some of our families fundraise within four hours. It's incredible. There's so many people out there willing to support our children and our adults with disabilities. So, you know, when you, that's another thing that I, you know, when I wake up every day, you know, you sometimes read the news and you just hear some of the sort of bad things that are going on and some of the people not making great choices um, and not with our families. I mean, they're, you know, our, our, the support that we get for our families is heartwarming. And there's just so many wonderful people out there that are willing to help um, because they believe that, you know, they, the service dogs can change and save lives. I mean, even if you just have your own family pet, you know how much um, value they bring to your lives. And so it's just, it's heartwarming every day to see the miracles of um, so many people supporting. Yeah, that's awesome. That's re it's really cool that there's a strong support for the mission that you guys have um, and uh, that you guys are able to impact so many people's lives in, in uh, such big ways, you know, um, especially um, that you guys are able to help veterans. I think that's really, really amazing. You know, that's very important. Yes, as a matter of fact, um, if your listeners want to go um, on YouTube, we have our own channel so they can just search for Four Paws. And we have um, a wonderful corporate partner who just did four incredible videos for us at no charge. Um, and one of them does feature us. Uh, it's a seven minute video of one of our uh, recent veteran placements. And it, it is amazing to hear it shows a little glimpse of his life before the dog, during getting the dog at Four Paws, and then his life after. And it just affirms for us, you know, how valuable these dogs can be um, for anyone with a disability, but particularly, as you mentioned, our veterans who just really need a lot of our support because they have paid the price to keep us free. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what would you say um, is been the biggest challenge for four paws 
um, what's the biggest challenge you faced this past year, especially with the pandemic and just in general, um, are there any major challenges or roadblocks that you guys face? Well, you know, we wish more of our dogs could become service dogs, you know, not every dog makes it. And so therefore, you know, we have so much demand. Um, so we don't have as much supply for the demand that, that, um, we need. And so, you know, we always are trying to figure out different ways that we can increase our success rate, um, but we're not going to place a dog that isn't service dog material. Um, we're just not going to do that because a dog has to be completely comfortable in all public settings. And that's usually the reason why they flunk out. A dog usually flunks out for what's called suspicion, whether it's a sound that they hear that they then bark or get a little agitated or a, a, something that they see. Um, and so that's that, you know, we just have so much demand. There's so many people in need. And then because we've been around a long time, you know, 22 years, we have a lot of people coming back for their, their second dog or their third dog, because obviously dogs only live, you know, 12 to 14 years. And, um, so we, you know, we have first time clients applying and then these second and third time clients applying. And, you know, some people will need these dogs for the rest of their lives. And so just being able to keep up with demand um, and then also finding, you know, new donors. We're always looking for new donors because the more new money that we have getting donated, the more we can expand um, our services to try to help more people. So we can, you know, breed more dogs and try to help more people. We're always, too, looking for volunteers. As a matter of fact, we have some dogs in Illinois um, at the University of Illinois Champaign. And we utilize college programs that are fairly close within, you know, maybe like a three, three and a half hour radius um, that actually take the dogs in and socialize them. Because that's kind of a long um, part of their journey where they need to be out and about. And college students and young people and young families, um, they're very equipped to be able to do that because they're always on the go. Um, although, you know, COVID did prevent a lot of people from being able to do that. So some of our dogs probably didn't get uh, the amount of socialization that they, they should have gotten, but obviously there's nothing that we could really do about that. We couldn't control the pandemic. So we're just trying to make up for lost time and getting as many, you know, more volunteers involved um, because the more volunteers that can handle our dogs while they're, you know, going through their journey of, you know, growing, developing um, until they go, can go into advanced training, the, the more that we have that hopefully will become service dogs and then be able to help more people each year. Yeah. And I think then we kind of see the significance, right, of, of how don donating and helping support can do right um i think you talked about it the the cost that comes with the service dog right and i think that's why um you know for people who are listening um people you know go to your site they can they can see um all all the good information about you know exactly what they do um and and, and how they help um and you know for for our our listeners um what's the best way uh, for them to support for for possible ability um and then usually a question that a lot of people um ask is you know how can they expect every dollar that they donate? How do they expect that to be, you know, spent? Absolutely. So on our website, um, we have our 
financials posted, we really believe in accountability and, um, you know, being very transparent to our donors. We don't sell our donors' names to anyone. Um, if you want to be anonymous, you are anonymous. It doesn't show up anywhere except for internally in our revenue system. Um, but our 990 is posted out there, our audited financials. And what you'll see from our recent um, audited financials, which was 2019, because we're working on 2020, um, is that we have a very low overhead rate compared to a lot of nonprofits. So our overhead rate is about 16%, which means that 16 cents of every dollar that comes to Four Paul's goes to somebody like me or our executive director or associate director um, or overhead that doesn't um, that doesn't go towards the dog. So, you know, I don't work physically with the dogs. And so I'm considered overhead. And the majority of nonprofits, their overhead is like 25% generally is the benchmark that um, is really what a lot of nonprofits strive to be, you know, 25% or under. So we are, we really, really work hard on keeping our expenses down, things that don't go to our dogs. And so the majority of the, the you know, the donation goes to you know, dog food, dog care, vet care, um, supplies, the training. And so we we're really proud of that. And we hope that's, you know, why people continue to support us. Um, we have a a very high rating on Charity Navigator, the highest, which is four stars. On GuideStar, we're gold. Um, the highest you can be is platinum, and we are striving to achieve that this year. There was just a couple of things that we needed to do to get there. Um, and then we're also among uh, the top great nonprofits. So those are all different sites that people can explore on their own and and check out Four Paws and, and see you know the all that stuff is out there for for people because we are a public nonprofit and we are you know we that's you know all of that stuff is out there and anytime people have questions they can contact us i'm happy to talk to anyone um and then people can also if they're you know local enough within about a three-hour radius they can you know become maybe a volunteer trainer puppy raiser or become a guardian home where they actually take a breeding dog into their home and then bring it to Four Paws when, you know, it needs to breed and, and have the puppies and, um, you know, just being a part of seeing our, our facility, people can come and, and schedule, a, you know, an appointment, you know, we're open on the weekends because we have dogs living there. So, you know, we're really open to having people get involved, whether it's by donations, volunteering, or, or even just visiting and spreading the word about us. Yeah, that is truly awesome. Um, you know, with our final question, you know, something that we always like to ask, um, you know, we've talked about for pause, you know, what they're doing now and kind of the past and how it started. Um, you know, do you expect it to change in the future, be more refined in your focus of what the goal is? Um, what does the future really look like for for pause for, for, for ability? Yeah, I think we're going to continue um, really just evaluating what's going on in the disability community and seeing if there's other ways that we can put these, you know, miracle dogs um, with their wonderful noses to work. Um, you know, we didn't start off doing seizure alert or diabetic alert. Those are things that we added um, years into 
Border Paws. I mean, when we first started, we really started off with mobility assistance dogs, hearing assistance dogs, um, and then autism was next. And that was a big part of, you know, sort of the influx of more people understanding what autism is. Um, there's more children, you know, on the autism spectrum. And a lot of these kids needed that search and rescue um, task. And so that's life-saving using the dog's nose. And when we mastered that, we realized, oh my gosh, you know, now we we're seeing a lot of, um, you know, seizure disorders, epilepsy, type one diabetes. And, and again, it's just using the dog's nose to alert to that. And so I think we're just going to continue evaluating what's going on in the disability community and how we can train dogs to help. Yeah, definitely. So it's cool that um, uh, how your mission is going to be, I don't want to say changing going forward, but you're able to kind of monitor what's changing within like the disability community and then refine your focus and what specific areas you guys are kind of like impacting within that uh within the disability community it's really good that you guys are able to kind of shift with that yeah and i'm sure like if you asked 10 years ago right there's new things that they you thought about now right so i think it's like yeah. Prince said, it's definitely important that you know you constantly monitor that yeah i mean what you're saying the seizure alert and diabetic alert i mean those are things that are probably changing and evolving yeah. in time so i think that's really amazing so kelly we just want to thank you for taking the time this morning to just join us and uh talk to us and just share with us about uh, what four paws for ability does. Um, and uh, we really enjoyed um, this conversation with you and um, we'd uh, we're going to be linking your website as well as any social media that you might have in the description of our podcast. And if any of our listeners want to learn more about um four paws for ability, you can just go and check out their website, um, check out their social media and uh, just learn more and partner with them and uh, see how you can get involved with what they're doing and just further their mission. Um, once again, Kelly, we thank you for your time. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you very much, guys. Take care. Bye, listeners. Hey, guys. We really hope you enjoyed that episode with Four Paws for Ability. Uh, it was really cool to be able to learn about um, how they are able to train and develop service dogs that are able to impact um, the disability uh, community. Yeah, and I think improve as we talked about, like they helped improve lives, save lives, right? There's so many different things, Alzheimer's, veterans. Um, so definitely something that we often see, but, you know, go to our support, you know. We'll have their uh, social media and webpage linked in our, in our bio of the podcast. Um, you know, if you if enjoyed these past episodes of Giving Connected, um, make sure to follow us um, on social media, subscribe to Giving Connected. Um, and, you know, we're often getting new and different nonprofits to kind of um, talk to every single week. Um, if you want to talk to us directly, you can uh, get in touch with us with our contact information in the description as well. We're excited for our episode next week with Trees, Water, People. You can find that episode available next Monday. This has been Prince and George.